This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am Claire Watkins. I'm joined by Jeff Kasouf, and we are here because we received today at 1 p.m. Eastern what we've all been waiting for, the U.S. Women's National Team World Cup roster uh, has finally dropped, and we found out the final 23 players that are going to be making their way to France to represent the U.S. this year. I think Jeff has that full list. Jeff, do you want to give a rundown of what we got? Yeah, so quick quick rundown of the 23 um, for anybody listening. Uh, not, a, not a ton of surprises, just a couple that, that we'll talk about. Goalkeepers, Adriana Franch, Ashlyn Harris, Alyssa Nair. Seven defenders, Abby Dahlkemper, Tierna Davidson, Crystal Dunn, Ali Krieger, which was one of the surprises, Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbrunn, Emily Sonnet. Only six midfielders, which is a little bit low in tra- traditional sense on these, these rosters. Morgan Bryan, Julie Ertz. Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Ali Long, and Samantha Mewis, and then seven forwards, which uh, maybe speaks to the uh, attacking-oriented nature of this team. Tobin Heath, Carly Lloyd, Jess McDonald, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press, Mallory Pugh, and Megan Rapino. So a couple surprises in there, which I, I know that um, have been pressing on each of our minds, Claire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, not least because... You know, I'm I'm in Chicago. I cover the Red Stars. The two main surprises are both involving players from that club. Uh, the inclusion of Morgan Bryan uh, was a big surprise for a lot of people, I'm sure. And then also Allie Krieger going ostensibly over Casey Short. Um, let's start with Krieger and Short. I am my personal opinion of this spot, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree. I don't think this player, whether it was going to be Short or Krieger is going to see a ton of field time. Um, I think that this is kind of, we were, you know, I've joked with with some, you know, colleagues that this is kind of the Whitney Engen spot. This is the one that they'll need if they need it. They're hoping that they don't. Um, and I think to a certain extent that could have informed the decision to go with experience, a player that um, the rest of the team knows really well, and that all worked in Krieger's favor. What do you think, Jeff? No, I think that's fair. And, and I would say, too, I mean, you know, I think that there might be uh, a genuine concern here for the the health of Kelly O'Hara, who's back to playing now. So so not necessarily the here and now, you know, injury that she's been dealing with, but the fact that she's been dealing with some form of an issue for so long now that Ali Krieger is more of an out and out right back where I think short respectively we should note can play on either side, but um, Krieger a bit more known for, for that right side as well. So I think maybe you're looking at um, in the case of an emergency in that case, um, if O'Hara is hurt or not available at any point that Krieger's maybe a slightly more like for like replacement. I don't know if that's 
necessarily fair given that uh, I think short is, is very, very good getting forward. But um, to me, I mean, I think that the main thing is just, you know, we've noted this before. We noted this when, when Krieger got called back in, it's all just a bit bizarre. You're Casey short and you've been called in every camp for the past six months. I think it is maybe, maybe longer. Um, well, well, certainly longer in terms of call-ups, but six months without actually seeing the field while, excuse me, while, you know, being called up. And then Ali Krieger, who hadn't played for um, practically two years. She, she hadn't played in a match for two years, hadn't been called up in a year and a half, um, and suddenly is is back in the picture and obviously coming at a timing when um, it wasn't as if league play sort of, you know, form had swayed the decision. We were talking about the NWSL offseason. So um, a little bit bizarre in that sense in terms of timing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, nothing nothing against Allie Krieger, who I do think has things she can bring to the team. But, um, yeah, I mean, the question of NWSL form, and, and we'll get to that too when we talk about the midfield, uh, that seems to not be a factor. And that was actually an interesting, if you look at the broader scope of the roster, um, I think we were all expecting a few players to make the squad that really had played into the pool through NWSL play. Um, but at this point, it really seems like Jessica McDonald is the only player who's done so. Maybe, you know, you could say Allie Long, though, you know, she's been, you know, in and around for, for a while mm-hmm. since 2016. Um, seems like Ellis really went with the players that she knows from international play rather than really taking into account what she was seeing in the NWSL. Not that Krieger has been playing poorly, but her club team certainly has. Whereas Casey short has been playing well for a team that's really kind of clicking. Right. I think, yeah, I mean, to, to clarify, I think the bizarre part of it is just more of, again, Ellis's timing right. with making the decision, not, not the actual decision itself per se, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, the big one, obviously, as well, that that I think you're kind of alluding to. I mean, um, no McCalls or Boney is, is the other big snub here, um, you know, not bringing her. I think, obviously, you know, the, the injury that she suffered, a freak injury, she's, you know, practically never hurt. I think she told me on the phone this winter she had never been – she never missed a game for an injury as a pro, which – her pro career is is some 10 years old now. So, um, you know, poor timing there. She obviously hustled to get back. She was back in January. We've seen a little bit of her in, in the league now. Um, I don't quite follow it. I mean, if you're looking for a like-for-like like swap, if you need to, you know, for, for Ertz, if, she's, if Julie Ertz is, you know, a number of things, as we've seen, if she's moved back into the back line for a portion, um, if you just need some more steel in the midfield, um, Noser Boney is a bit of a head scratcher to me. And I think, you know, if you say form per se, I think maybe you and I disagree a little bit on this, but I think if you were saying form, um, in, in the present state and even over an expanded period of time here, you know, ruling out injuries, which both of these players had, because this, I think this really comes down to, a taking Brian over Zerboni. I mean, maybe, maybe long is sort of in that equation and triangulates here, but, um, you know, Zerboni over the past year, two years, uh, ha- has been the superior player in, in league play. And I would say for, you know, the, the opportunities she's had with her country as well. Yeah, absolutely. I also, the thing with Morgan Bryan for me is obvious. I think we agree that we know how good she can be when she's good. Um, she's not healthy yet. 
she's she well she's not match fit yet maybe is is a, a more accurate description she played about 60 minutes for chicago last sunday um which is the most minutes she's seen all year um obviously uh equalizers john halloran put a piece out in preseason about how she was working her way back to health and how she actually you know it was a mutual decision with the u.s to sit out some of these early early 2019 friendlies um, to get to that point, but she's not there yet. And she has a history of having trouble staying healthy while in a U.S. environment. So for me, I, I mean, I think we know what she can do, but I think you're right. I think, you know, Zerboni, unless Zerboni is still really dealing with some mobility issues with that arm, I sure Morgan Bryan could be a big, you know, could be a contributing piece, but I don't think she's ever going to get to that point. And that in and of itself is a liability to take with you for a tournament like this. Four years ago, you know, we know how Ellis took over this job. Um, we know the amount of time that she had, which wasn't a lot in, in relative terms. And there was really more or less already a team in place, a couple of tweaks that she obviously had to make in those, those bubble positions. Um, this is obviously all these things that we're talking about, choosing the depth players, whether there's too much risk in certain, you know, certain allocation of numbers and commitment to the attack. All of these things are very much her stamp that's been carved out over the past four years, really since the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, we might similarly be talking about a, a position where, you know, as you said, with with the decision between Krieger and Short, where it, the coaching staff might be looking at it as, you know, far enough down the depth chart that it's not, um, I mean, certainly you want to make the right decision, but that it's not necessarily a player that they're expecting to see uh, for any extensive period of time at the World Cup. But, um, you know, the midfield has been a question mark. Uh, I think you look at all the different combinations that that have been tried um, and and some of them have been a little bit more questionable than others, I suppose. And I think the big thing, I think, is um, maybe this is a little bit to, to Brian's skills being a bit of, of the intangible nature. Um, but, you know, you look at what Zerboni brings, and I think outside of Ertz, there's not really a sort of 6-8 hybrid, you know, cracking tackles sort of player that that's on this roster. And especially if you're going to play a, um, a more adventurous three in the midfield, if you will, um, which certainly if, if Ellis goes with Rose Lavelle as the 10, which she, she obviously prefers to do, um, that puts an extra amount of emphasis on the defensive responsibilities of, of that eight and six in that, in that system, because um, Lavelle's just not, a defensively inclined player. So um, I think, I think Zerboni is someone who brings uh, a lot of things that, that might not necessarily exist on this roster. Certainly if you're talking about, um, you know, again, from, from that position of 21 through 23, if you're looking for leadership and locker room, uh, I think, you know, she's probably extremely high on the list as, as the Fox cameras, you know, caught a, a really small microcosm of uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting move for me. I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure she'll take it in stride and, and maybe, you know, is is continuing to know that anything could happen. And, and uh, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, we're still five weeks out from them kicking off and, and replacements can happen if something comes up. And this is a roster that has not 
been extremely healthy through the past few years. So. Right. No, I think you're. I think you're absolutely correct, and I think uh, it seems like Ellis is playing things. We weren't sure maybe a week or two ago if she was going to bring maybe you know 26 in to camp and then make those final decisions later. It seems like she's picking her 23 and then seeing what happens once everybody gets together. Um, I, you're right. I mean, this hasn't been a particularly healthy roster, and especially just in camps, I think they've been struggling to stay healthy. So a lot of things could happen between now and when they you know travel to France uh, I guess my one other question is and this is from just kind of a larger standpoint they're only taking seven defenders and they're taking what seven forwards yeah that's a it, bit a, lopsided yeah. to me it's not something that you see every day no um, I, I think you see it's it's pretty rare to be honest to just the way those numbers break down and and obviously we know that some of that has to do with I think the the versatility of some players, um, you know, but but it's it's a strange one, and particularly when you look at how important that midfield trio is going to be, the different combinations you're going to want there, um, you know, it, it's a slightly odd move, for sure. So I, I think, you know, we'll we'll see if it pays off. I mean, I, I think you could certainly sit here and say, you know, do you take, do you drop a forward? for another midfielder that you could have used um you know i think it's a it's an interesting balance i mean you know to address the defenders obviously Ertz, who's who's listed as a midfielder and, and maybe this even you know this would obviously pull from a ready thin midfield pool but has has quite often dropped into a center back role even within games so you know i think that there's an idea that there's some versatility there but um the, there's quite a I think the number that stands out the most there is probably taking seven forwards. Yeah. I mean, that's that's excessive by by any means. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, but that's, we'll, we'll probably get into this in much more depth as, as the tournament approaches, but that is how Ellis likes to play this team right now. She wants to score goals. Uh, you know, I, it seems very silly to say score more than you concede, but that definitely seems to be the MO right now. Um mm-hmm. And she wants to have a lot of options to do it. I mean, we all know what McDonald brings off the bench. And if she thinks that's worth an extra goal or two, I understand the decision to bring her. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think we can, get, we can get kind of stifled into, um, you know, Krieger versus Short or Brian versus, you know, Zerboni. But there was room on this roster probably for both Short and Krieger to go. Um, and I'm a little bit interested in whether or not that lack of depth um, is going to come back to bite them. I bet there's going to be scenarios where Julie Ertz has to drop into the back line when that's not what the game needs. Um, and that could end up being a real issue. I mean, we've all got that quarterfinal circled against France. If things start going wrong, I'm not sure the U.S. bench is necessarily going to have a ton of answers. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's it's. we'll see. I mean, I think to, to the point of the... You know, the imbalance and, and like you said, I mean, I think this is clearly how the U.S. is is committed to playing, whether, you know, whether Jill Ellis would come out and, and just directly say, and I don't think she would, and I'm not sure that she's necessarily thinking to the degree of we're just going to outscore teams. But if you look at results and how things have gone and trends, um, certainly this year and, and over a little bit more uh, time, even though 2018, obviously the, there was the unbeaten streak and, and there were a fair number of shutouts in that defensively, you know, that you're still 
not necessarily where you want to be. And now that it's May, you're, you're not changing anything about this. You have your 23. So it's really working within that group to solve that. So um, I, I think there's a, a definite concession there, whether implicit or explicit, that, you know, they might have to go win some games 4-2 rather than 1-0. Right. Um, yeah. And I guess maybe my final thought is, uh, you know, we're nitpicking, but we're nitpicking with depth. I mean, this is an incredibly strong team. I mean, I think as we've seen, you know, we can complain about NWSL players not making the bubble, but obviously the core of this team is playing really quite well in the league right now. Obviously you've got Crystal Dunn, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press all playing really well. Um, I, I don't think there's any cause for panic. I think that, um, just the same questions always where it's hard to follow the through lines in Ellis's logic. But I mean, what do you think Jeff's strong roster? <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course it's, it's among the, the best that we're going to see. I think certainly you can make the argument that this is um, the best roster in the tournament. I don't think, you know, there's a handful of those that can make that argument. And I think, you know, I'm interested to see how this, this tournament shakes out obviously because the, you know, the, the third place teams always make things a bit less predictable in terms of drawing lines for how a bracket would look. Um, so, so I think that adds a, a slight curveball just in terms of not necessarily even a, a third place team that could come through and and cause a problem. Although in the U.S.'s group, it's it's really looking at a, a one versus two scenario in that in that first knockout stage game. Um I think that the big thing is just going to be, you know, look, this is in in earnest um, and that's going to be, you know, the end product, which I think could go anywhere from a, a repeat title to, you know, depending on the draw. I mean, you've alluded to out in the quarterfinals just based on matchups. Right. Um, the end product there is going to be truly um, and, and unmistakably, unequivocally, unlike some of the, the argument four years ago, is going to be her legacy for 2019 yeah absolutely well i know you have to go uh, get on a call with ellis real quick so we'll go ahead and wrap this up any any final thoughts i mean you know i'm just looking forward to the games at this point i think we've had so much build up i know we've got other rosters coming out france coming out today um norway came out today i mean all of these rosters that are that are trickling out and you know i think we're you know at the risk of cliche looking at a, a very fun world cup that that hopefully matches you know some of the excitement we saw in 2015 and i think even more so than 15 and and obviously in this growing field i think i really do think we could see some relative surprises at this tournament yeah i agree i think it's finally becoming real since we know who's going cool well this has been a special edition of the equalizer podcast uh, we might have some more reactions coming up later, and we'll obviously have the full show coming up next Monday. So thanks, everybody. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.